Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 15. I want to look at this passage because it's a very important passage as we study this together. Because this is a great way for us to close out these 50 days. And I think for many of us, we know so very well that even though we've experienced some of the awakening and maybe the realization of who we are, we understand that it is very easy to go back into some of the things that held us back in bondage. It's very simple. In fact, you don't even have to try or do anything. Satan will continue to try to tempt you and pull you away from the very thing that you've experienced in these 50 days. And so one thing that I want us to remember is simply this, that we are freed. So Jesus Christ freed us. We are freed so we can be alive in Christ so that we can fully thrive for Christ. So we are freed to be alive in Christ so that we can fully thrive for Christ. That's what God desires for you and for me is that we will thrive and not just survive that we're going to be thriving in our lives as we have experienced freedom, as we journey for the rest of our lives in this walk to freedom. And so we have to remember that whenever God does anything, he has a purpose. Can I get a good amen to that? Anything that God does, there's a purpose. And that's why we have to gain perspective. It doesn't mean that he caused some of the evil, because as we know, it's Satan and in this fallen world, there's sin. So people sin against us. We sin against other people. It doesn't mean God caused it. But because of this fallen world, there's sin and there's hurt. And there's so many things that we go through in our lives. But this is how powerful God is that he can even purposely use those things that you've gone through for a greater purpose. And a greater greater reason for us to experience his love and his mercy. And when we think about God setting us free from this bondage in our lives, from sin and death, we have to realize because he desires for us to be alive in him. That's the only way he was able to save the world. And that's why I want to talk about this passage because I think this is going to be very appropriate for us as we try to look ahead and as we even reflect on what all that God has done. So hopefully you've turned to Colossians chapter 2, verse uh, 6 through 15. I'm going to go ahead and read the first two verses And I'm just going to read through the verses, uh, verse by verse, and then comment on it and help us to take out from this that when we're freed, that we could be alive in Christ so that we could fully thrive for Christ. So let's go ahead and read verse 6 or 7. This is what it says. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. These verses are important because it points to God's sovereignty and to our human responsibility. Why is this important? Because when you look at that verse again, the first phrase you will notice is, as you have received Jesus Christ, the Lord, what we understand is that it prompts us to remember that salvation is not something that is earned, nor is it something that we deserve. It is something that has been given to us freely that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that our sins can be forgiven and we can live a new life in him. It was a free gift. 
a gift that we have received that we did not deserve or we did not earn. And that's why this exhortation to walk in him is translated as to live. So what Paul is saying is live in him. That's, that's literally every single day walking in light of what Christ has given to you, which is salvation and eternal life. So how should we live for God? That's the question for us. And one of the things I want to make sure that we understand is throughout this whole letter, this is a wonderful book. One, in the, one of the days in the future, we'll study this book together. But you'll notice in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says, and this is the verse that he says, say the yellow section with me. He says, so as to, come on, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing the knowledge of God. So what we see is when we walk or live for God, it is living in a way that is worthy, in a manner that is worthy of who he is. And it's simply just pleasing him. How do we please him? By bearing good fruit or doing good work and bearing good fruit through it and continue to grow in the knowledge of who he is. That's how you please him. Everything you do is for him. The fruits that you bear from the good works that you do is for him. And because you're getting to know more of God and you realize it's not about you. And as you understand that more, you want to serve him more. You want to love him more. And then you will notice in verse 7, he mentions about being rooted and built up. These, these are incredible languages. This idea of being rooted is from the agriculture and built up is from the architectural kind of imagery. So he says, you are rooted and built up in him and established in faith, which are things that God does. Once again, that's his sovereignty. He's the one who roots you. He's the one who builds you up. That's his work as we respond to him and do good works. So as he's saying this, we see that a lot of this comes through learning, learning the things that he has taught us through the word. This is what we did. and This is what we experienced in these 50 days. Some of you, as we've been going through some of these things, they're new things to us. No one taught us these things. For the rest of us, these are things that we already knew, but now it goes deeper because we heard this maybe five years ago, 10 years ago when we were younger, but we weren't understanding that we were in bondage. But now we realize that we are in bondage. There are things from the past so that when we learn some of these things, there's a deeper root that takes place in our hearts. That's why he closes out that section by saying abounding in thanksgiving. This is something we do. You could feel thankful, you could feel grateful, but to be living a thankful life, to expressing thanks through your words, the way you sacrifice and give of yourself, that is something that we do in human responsibility. And it says here the word abounding. That word, when you study it, it is in this idea in the context of a river that's overflowing. Like literally flooding. It is overflowing with thanksgiving. Can I ask you this morning, are you a thankful person? Or do you have a tendency to complain and to gripe and to think about all the things that you don't see that's right? Knowing that you don't deserve life. We shouldn't be here today. Just by us sitting here and being in his presence, that's the grace of God. Because maybe five years ago, you experienced that accident that you could have died. Maybe there was something that happened in your life that did not warrant you to be here, but here you are. That's the grace of God. That's why even if there's nothing to be thankful for, one thing you can be thankful for, you have life. 
Those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. So therefore, if we were to die tonight, that we will spend the rest of eternity with Christ. That's something we could be thankful for. Abounding, overflowing like a river, like a flood. We should have thanksgiving coming out of our mouths. Just think about the 50 days. Think about the last eight Sundays that we've been talking about here. And when I think about that, I think about all the things that God spoke to us about, God spoke to me about, the things that God spoke to you specifically about. When you think about it, you realize, God, you don't have to do it. But he decided to do it at this season, at this time. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited because then I'm like, okay, if this is what you're doing now in this season, in this part of my life, what is, what is it that you have in store for us? What do you have for me? That's why we have to remember, without this thankful heart, without being rooted and established in Christ, we can go back to the old way of life. That's why we have been set free, so that we could be alive in Christ. And through that, we could have the fullness, the be fully thriving for Christ. Let's go ahead and read verse 8. This is what it says, the Word of God. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. I want you to notice here, it says, see to it. That phrase is translated as watch out or beware. So Paul is giving a warning that even though you've experienced the gospel and all these great things, be careful, watch out, because you can literally go back to some of these things, the old philosophy, the ways of life, the way you used to live. That's why I thought it was really interesting that he uses the phrase, takes you captive. So you could be set free from the prison, from the past, but guess what? You could actually be brought back in as a captive. If you do not watch out, you give in to the old philosophy of life, the things that you have believed in, lies that you believed in, you can go back into it. I want you to also notice it says here what? It says, not according to Christ. You know, I was thinking about this in my life, especially when I'm counseling so many of you. I realize how many of our world philosophy or the way we live our lives, it's really not according to Christ. In fact, it's according to Chinese culture. And I'm not saying anything wrong with the Chinese culture or the Asian culture. Or some of us from Africa or other countries or continents around the world. But if you really examine your life, there are ways that we respond and the things that we do and the way we think that is not according to Christ. And what has happened is that it has taken us captive. And then we got, re we, the light got exposed to that. And we realized, oh, this is wrong. This is not according to what Christ wants. And we take steps of faith and we're experiencing freedom. But if you're not watching out and be wary and be careful of the things that you're experiencing, you could go right back into it. That's what Paul is saying. In this context, it was Gnosticism and some of these other philosophies during that time of the Greek and the Romans. So Christ has set you free as he taught you. And it's important to continue to live in this truth. Let's finish off as we read the next section here in verse 9 through 14. I want you to pay attention to what he says after he mentions all that. It says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, 
and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses and canceling the record of debt that stood against us in its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. In these verses, Paul brings everything back to the power of the gospel. That's what these verses are really referencing to. You will notice the phrase in him and with him. And if you study this, you will notice that the phrase in him appears three times in verse 9 through 11. In him, in him, in him. Also, you'll notice the phrase with him appears three times in verse 12 through 14. So this idea of being in him and with him is such a vital part of learning to live and continual freedom. I think this is one of the major reasons why we keep on encouraging you to spend time with God in the word, with him. And every single time you go through temptations and you face different things in your life, to be remaining in him, abiding in prayer. It's because Christ, because of Christ, that we have truly been set free. So God made us alive in him, and we are with him because of the cross. It's not because of observing rituals, going to church, going to life group, doing all these good things. It's because our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why he is the head and the rule and authority above all things in this world. I want you to also reference back to verse 12 through 13. We see that this idea of baptism, that we are now identifying ourselves with Christ. We die to our old self. And that's what baptism is all about. When you profess your faith and trust in Jesus Christ in a public baptism, what you're saying is that you used to live this way in your own self, and now you're going into the water, which is representing the blood of Christ, and you're dying to yourself, and then the blood of Christ is washing you clean. And when you come out of the water, you come out in new life that has been purchased by, uh, for you by Jesus Christ. And this is the only reason why your sins are canceled, because Jesus Christ nailed it to the cross. I want to read you a couple of the translations from verse 14, uh, 12 through 14, and I want you to read the yellow section with me, and I want you to try to capture the essence of the gospel and what Paul is trying to say. He says this in the NLT, it says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you what trusted the mighty power of God. It's important that we emphasize that it is not our own power, but it's through the power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because their sinful nature was yet not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. This idea, once again, that he freed you so you could be alive in Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And took it away by nailing it to the cross. What Paul is simply saying is that every single one of us in this room, that we had a debt 
that there was a charge against us because why? We have sinned. And because of that, we have to pay for our sins. Someone has to pay for our sins because there's a holy God. And so what did he do? Those who have died to themselves, alive in Christ, through baptism, trusting in Jesus Christ, it says here, now the record of charges against us, all the things we did wrong, it is now canceled and took it away by nailing it on the cross. Here's another translation, the message translation. Read the yellow section with me. It says this, if it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. And it says, what? Come on, say this. God raising you from the dead. I mean, that's what he did. Like, we could not save ourselves. We were not alive in and of ourselves. Only Christ, through his death, brings us to life as we were dead. When you were stuck in your old sin dead life you were inescapable of responding to god this is called human depravity it's a doctrine that you could not respond to god unless god initiated that in you that's why whenever there's a desire to repent there's a desire to know god there's a desire to go to life group there's a desire to read the bible that is the work of god it's not you that's god so he says you were incapable of responding to God. You could not. But Jesus Christ came and he worked in your life. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. Come on, church. Are, are, we, are, we, are, we, are you with me? Come on. Let's say the yellow sections together with some conviction. All right. It says the slate wiped clean that old warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. What an imagery. All the charges that were written on the slate is completely gone now, erased. This old arrest warrant, they're coming after you. Satan is, now it's completely ripped up. It's gone. God has not only eliminated the debt, but he has destroyed the document of the debt that was recorded. I mean, think about that. It's such an awesome thought that it was so impossible to pay this debt, but God then took that record and he just shredded it. He got rid of it. He blotted it out. He canceled it. He forgiven us for it because we knew that we could not pay it back. But Jesus dying on the cross, putting our faith in him, allows our debt to be canceled. We're going to do something that maybe some of us uh, didn't know we're going to do. Can everyone check under your chair? There's something under your chair. Not all, but some. If you have something under your chair, you win the prize. Come on, take it, take it out. Don't rip it, but just take it out gently. Can you go ahead and just lift up your hands up there? Okay, all right. I'm going to ask us right now, if you could just, those of you with the sheet of paper... Uh, if you could, some of you are like, I won. Oh, it's like lust. Oh, no, I did not. <laughs> so come on up. Come on up, each one of you. And then would you hand over that over to me? Or hand it over to Leon. Come on. Come on up. And then can you say what it is? Show it. Show it. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, you can go back. You can go back. Thank you. Lust. Control, jealousy, come on. Passivity, comparison, 
bitterness, rejection, unforgiveness, materialism, anxiety. What do we got here? Anger and then shame. One more or two more. Pride and then fear. Now, some of you are probably thinking, okay, well, what is all this? Some of the stuff that we just, you just saw here were the worksheets that we did to help you to identify some of the different areas of our life that is used to be a stronghold and to put us captive. And some of these other things are things that some of us are struggling with. You shared it with one another. You, because the, these are things that I, I believe in any church, in any setting, you always have to be people with some of these things that they struggle with. And I want you to read that verse again. We'll look, at what, look at what it says. It says, The slate wiped clean and the old rest of warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. Part of learning how to walk in freedom in Christ is to understand that all those things that Satan loves to record, all the bad things you've done, even last night, the things that you've done, that it says here that he has completely cleansed it and wiped the slate clean. The problem is this. Many of you like to retell the story to yourself. And that's why I was thankful that Makoto shared that. That he was remunerating, that if it wasn't me, why did I do that? And that's, the, that's what Satan does. He loves for you to retell the story to yourself. He also loves that when you retell the story to the offender, you carry like this little bag around you. And that's why you look so heavy. That's why you look so down. You look so depressed because you carry this bag around you. And you know why this bag is important? Because this bag is all the hurt that you've experienced from that person or from that incident. And every single time you see that offender, every single time you happen to come across, you put the bag down and you rummage through it. And you're like, aha, remember this? So not only do you retell the story to yourself, but you retell it to that person. And we see this even in the marriages. We see this even in relationships where we're constantly reminding them of things that they have done in the past. And when it says here it's completely Wiped away, it is cleansed, it is clean slate. The arrest warrant is ripped apart. This is why there's marital problems. This is the reason why we struggle with relationships. Because we're constantly retelling that story to that person, the offender. And guess what? We also retell that story to others. And it's called gossip or quote-unquote, a.k.a. otherwise known as prayer request. Sometimes I think prayer requests are gossip. Well, I don't know how to share this, but can you just pray for me? You know, this person, like, you know, and pretty much you're gossiping. It's a prayer request. You put, you put that shield of holiness on it, but you're really gossiping. Like, oh my God, really? Yeah, I just need a lot of prayer, you know. You need more than prayer. You need something else too. So you retell the story to yourself. You retell the story to the offender and you retell the story to others. This is what feeds bitterness. You will never be set free from bitterness, anger, and some of the things that we talked about if you keep on retelling the story. That's why you have to believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done and his dying on the cross for us has set us free. So that's what we're going to do. So I mean, like, what's behind door number one? This is it. Come on, bring it over. That's what we're going to do. 
insecurity, lust, jealousy, control. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Maybe somebody's like, that's me. That might be better than whoa, whoa. And then passivity. Th- this is your record. Does this work? I hope it does. It's gone. It's gone. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Comparison. Ladies. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Bye. 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 Rejection. Materialism. Anxiety. Anger. Like these are all things that are records that we have in our lives. And Satan loves to use it. Oh, remember that one time? And you say, you tell the story to yourself again. And then Jesus Christ says, I died for that on the cross. Bye. Come on, everyone say bye. Bye. Now some of you are like, bye-bye. Let's do Hong Kong bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> we have shame that Satan uses a lot. Pride he uses a lot. And then fear he uses a lot. If you know another language, adios, annyeong, whatever you just go and say bye-bye. This is it. It's gone. That's what Paul is saying. That it's completely gone. But what, what do we do? We keep on renumerating over and over again. That's why we are freed. Everyone say, we're freed. We are free so we could then be alive in Christ. And why is that important that we're alive in Christ? So that we can fully thrive for Christ. He doesn't want us just to be alive and sit there, but so we can thrive, fully thrive for Him as we live for Him and for His glory. And look at how he closes out with this last verse. This is important. He says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Now, some of you, when you read this, like, okay, but you don't, you got to understand what he's trying to communicate here. As I was looking at this, I realized there, there are three reasons why we can rejoice and be thankful. First of all, Jesus disarmed Satan. Everyone say that. Come on. Jesus disarmed Satan. By dying on the cross, what Jesus did was he disarmed the rulers and the authorities. Now, some of you will remember these phrases because we read it in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. In the New King James Version, it says this, having disarmed what? Principalities and powers. He disarmed it. Whatever power that it had, he's disarmed it. It will be like a gun, and you're like, I got you. Then like, click, click, because there's no bullets. He disarmed it. So every single time you want to try to do something and you want to try to hurt yourself, you want to try to hurt other people, Christ, if you put your faith in him, he has disarmed it. Look at the Amplified Version. It says this, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those what? Supernatural forces of evil operating against us. He completely pulled the plug. The message translation says this, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe 
of their sham authority at the cross. Like spiritual tyrants who try to govern our lives, ruin us. And the Living Bible says this, in this way God took away, come on, Satan's power to accuse you of sin. He took it away. That's why every single time he accuses you and you start believing in it, then you're giving him bullets to put it back and to shoot at you. Rather than knowing that he has no more power, he has been disarmed. He has no bullets, but we're the ones who keep on feeding him bullets. Simply put, Satan cannot harm the believer even though he tries to use his weapons against us because Jesus Christ, by canceling our debt and our sin, the record of sin, he has canceled it. This is the reason why he is disarmed. Here's the second thing why we can rejoice and be thankful for. He has disgraced Satan. Not only did he disarm him, but he disgraced him. How do we see this? Because you will notice the phrase, put them to open shame. It means to be made a public spectacle. Making something into a public spectacle is pretty much exposing Satan and his deceit. That's why we can rejoice and be thankful. Listen to these other translations of that uh, part of that verse. It says, and march them naked through the streets. Like, can you imagine? He totally disgraced him by making him walk around the streets naked because all your power, all your whatever deceitful things, Satan, like it's, it's, it's completely disarmed. You are a disgrace. Here's another translation amplified. He made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession. So, not, so, so the resurrection from the dead, when Jesus Christ died and he rose again from the dead, now Satan has no more weapons against us. Just old stories, old lies. That's why we can be successful and be firm in living our lives for Christ. Here's the last thing why we can be thankful and grateful for. Not only did he disarm Satan, he disgraced Satan. And the third and last thing is he defeated him once and for all. Jesus Christ defeated Satan once and for all. This idea of defeating Satan comes from this phrase, triumphing over them. Now, those of us who are not familiar, you, one of the things you have to understand is that the, in the Roman military, where there was a victory through the Roman general and his armies, what they would do is they would take the captives, the prisoners, and take the bounty, take all the stuff that are good that they can use, and they would parade them through the streets, leading all the way back to Rome. Now, there's a reason why, because it was to shame them to realize that they are now our prisoners, but also to exalt themselves to say that we have won this great victory. Let me show you some pictures so you understand. The first picture you will see, it's a painting, but this is what they will do. You'll see these captives with these long sticks. They will take them, and then you see these Roman soldiers, and they will be parading through the streets, because what they're saying is, we are triumphant. We are strong. We are mighty. And this is why this idea of triumphant procession is mentioned in this verse. And then as many of you know, that leads to, as you look at the next picture, it will lead to where they will gather in one of the main places of that city or back to Rome, and they will all line up and they will worship Caesar or the king, whoever it may be. Now, some of you hopefully get this idea why Paul used this illustration. 
Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he also referenced to this. And he says, be, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So this idea is because Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead, the only weapon that Satan had was death. And now, because Christ has overcome that, he is victorious. And now we as believers in Jesus Christ, we have this victory so we can literally walk in this triumphal procession, reminding people who the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is. Can I get a good amen to that? That Jesus Christ is the one who's victorious. He's conquered the enemy. And that's why as he defeated Satan, he disgraces him now to say, we know your, we know your ways. We know what you try to do. And it's a great reminder for us that now whatever he tries to do, he has no power. He's completely disarmed. This is why when we live in freedom, we're walking with him and in him in this great triumphal procession. And I like how Paul closes out that 2 Corinthians where he says, well, we are like a fragrance. So anyone who comes around us, they smell the fragrant beauty of Jesus Christ. You're so different. Something's different about you. Some of you broke the generational curses. Hopefully by the time you get married, have kids, you will not repeat the same thing that your parents did to you. But as you heard, it's so easy to become just like our father, just like our mother. That's why it takes work. As God works in us, we need to respond and work to say, this is not what I want for my family. It doesn't automatically happen. You have to commit to this process. As God's sovereignty works in your life, you then have to have the human responsibility to respond. So once again, we are free to be alive in Christ so that we can fully thrive for Christ. As we get into a response, I, I just want to, I, I don't know if it's next steps, but maybe some more encouragement. As I was kind of reflecting myself, as I was thinking about the last 50 days, if I were to try to summarize things, what, what would I give to you as an encouragement or to remind you of? And I just came up with a handful of things. Here's the first thing. The first thing is this, keep on growing in God's truth. Don't stop. You got to keep on growing in God's truth. Some of you just begun. The truths go deeper. And there are so many other truths. And that's why if I can encourage you, do not stop reading the Bible. Continue to do your soap, even though it might seem like, oh my God, another story, another, what's going on here? I don't even understand it. Just commit to it because God's going to speak to you. That's his word. That's the sword that will cut into your heart. So keep on growing in God's word. The second thing is this, keep on glowing up with the gospel. Someone like, huh? You, you know, when you glow up, it came from the beauty makeup industry of glowing up. And pretty much now it's used in terms of really a person that's been transformed. That's looking really good. Like glow up with the gospel. You're not going to glow up by trying to be more successful, trying to do all this stuff. But you glow up by what? When the gospel becomes so real to you, that's what makes people like, wow, you're different. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you got to glow up. Come on. The second thing is keep on going to the cross. You're going to keep on sinning. Trust me. 
You're going to keep on struggling and stumbling because that's part of the human nature. We're going to get more and more holy as we trust in Him and believe in Him and love Him and grow in Him. But we're going to struggle along the way. There's going to be some mistakes you'll make. I look at some of you who are very young and there's going to be a lot more challenges. I, I don't even know how to explain it. There's going to be so many challenges as you start getting older. That your decisions, the things that you do, your everything is going to have greater impact and hurt more people. And so all I can say is you got to keep on going back to the cross where he canceled, where he shredded all those things that you're wrestling through with. The fourth thing is this, keep on gifting others with forgiveness. We talked about that. Forgiveness is a gift that you offer to people, not because they deserve it, but because you have been forgiven. You gift it to somebody else. That's why I want you to understand you cannot forgive people unless you understand the generosity of God, how much He has forgiven you, how much that He loved you in your sinfulness. Just like that unmerciful servant who has been forgiven this huge debt, but then he finds somebody that owes him a little bit and then he gets so upset. And the master saw this and he heard about this and he says, put that person away in prison. Forgiveness is a gift that you give to people who don't deserve it. And they don't earn it. Because you have been so generously forgiven, now you gift that forgiveness to that person. Keep on doing that. It's not going to be easy, but keep on doing it as you glow up in the gospel, as you keep on growing in God's truth and going to the cross. Quickly here, two more Keep on gaining God's perspective. This is what you need. Gain God's perspective. Everything you went through in your life, even though it sounds really bad, even though it's been difficult for you, God's going to somehow use it for good. He will. There's going to be somebody else going through the same thing. Maybe a divorce uh, from uh, their parents are getting divorced. You're going to be able to speak into that in such a powerful way. Maybe some of the mistakes you made, some things that you did. You're going to be able to speak into some of those situations in the future when other people struggle with it. So start gaining his perspective. Some of you are, are, are struggling because you're just feeling overwhelmed. And I'm telling you right now, some of you are feeling overwhelmed and you're struggling. Why? Because all your life you learned how to depend on yourself. There's no way when you have depended on yourself for 100% of your life that somehow automatically you're going to start depending on God. You won't. The only way you're going to start depending on God is when the weight of all the things that you carry, all the responsibilities, all the things that you feel like you have to do, trusting in yourself crashes down upon you. And that's when you realize, I cannot do this. I need God. So I'm just wondering if maybe something that God is doing in some of your lives is to help you to gain perspective. God, I'm weak, but you're strong. God, I'm sinful, but you're holy. God, you're, you're merciful, even though I'm not merciful. You're forgiving, even though I cannot forgive. Gain his perspective. And lastly, keep on guarding your mind and your heart. Once again, put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Because if you don't guard your mind and your heart, because this is where some of us do a lot of the battle in our minds, lies that we keep on retelling. 
lies that we believe in, deceit that we think is true. And God, our hearts, some of you just give your hearts to anyone and everything. Be careful. Guard that heart because Christ has purchased that. You don't just give it away to anybody. But you guard it. Don't allow things to capture your hearts. Check your heart to make sure that there are no idols that you're producing in your lives. That's how you continue to walk in freedom. I wanted to close out at this time and show this quick video. It's, it's a really short video. And I want, I want to explain a little bit so that you can understand the emotion of it. I think sometimes we forget what it feels like when someone is set free. I want to talk, and you'll see here, the person, his name is Sam Johnson, and he was in prison for 26 years for a crime that he committed, but he was out earlier than the full extent of his prison sentence, and then he was able to reunite with his family after 26 years. And I want you to feel, as you're watching, feel what these people are feeling. And this is what I pray that we will experience as we experience the freedom that God is offering to us. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.